this is Terry Beatley, your host of What If We've Been Wrong? I'm shining light into some dark places so that beauty, goodness, and truth defeat the schemes of the enemy. It's true, people are perishing for lack of knowledge, and we're instructed to have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what I do on What If We've Been Wrong? Rethink, explore, and uncover some hidden truths so that more people can experience an abundant life and the joy of being set free from the shackles that hold us in prison. Welcome to What If We've Been Wrong? Well, my guest today is Katherine Davis. Uh, She's a fired-up American who is getting her message out across America. She's spoken in many, many different states. She's the founder and president of the Restoration Project, and I'm going to have her explain this. But Catherine is going into particularly the minority markets and helping women understand the, the, the legacy of Margaret Sanger's Negro Project and how it's still affecting women today more than ever. Um, it's much more effective today than it was decades ago. She's also the author of uh, three books, Fight for Life, uh, Taking It to the Streets, Fight for Life, Turning the Wounded into Warriors, as well as the third book, Angels Among Us, The Battle for America. Catherine, thank you for being on my show today. Thank you for having me. All right. So, uh, Catherine, most people listening to this show probably have never heard of Margaret Sanger's Negro Project. And I want to start right there. And, and, and using that word Negro because some people think, oh, it's such a sensitive word to use. I mean, technically, it means black. So, Margaret Sanger's Black Project, Margaret Sanger's Negro Project. What was it about? When was it started? Uh, The Negro Project was not started until 1939, but prior to that, Margaret Sanger had alerted America that she was a sound eugenicist. Eugenicists believe only certain people should be allowed to reproduce. And she, in 1927, formed the first Population World Council, and they had a meeting where they started talking about population growth and how to control it. Um, But it wasn't until 1939 that she identified what population her organization wanted to control. And that's when we got the Negro Project, which Uh, was a plan of extermination, and in fact, she said in a letter to C.J. Gamble of the Procter & Gamble Fortune that um, they should hire ministers to teach and preach birth control in case it occurred to any of our more rebellious members that they wanted to exterminate us. So she is the one who introduced the entire idea of exterminating a group of people using birth control. That was in 1939. 1939. Okay, and I remember reading how Dr. Braun, I know you're going to know who I'm talking about, Dr. Braun, and he, he sort of figured this out in the beginning, that she was trying to exterminate the black race, right? But then... She went behind his back, well, not not behind his back, but she began to 
um, market her ideas to his wife, right? I don't know about Dr. Braun, but what I do know is that many people from the very beginning, whether in the black community or the Caucasian community, recognized that her plan of birth control uh, was a plan of extermination. They recognized it from the very beginning, and many fought against it. Mm -hmm. Um, She was successful in getting some black leaders uh, of influence back then to stand with her, like W.E.B. Du Bois uh, is one that Planned Parenthood talks about all the time. Mm -hmm. But the majority of the community recognized that birth control was not a friend to um, the Negro. And so they were unwilling to buy into this notion of controlling the numbers of children that they had. In fact, back then, it was exactly the opposite. The black community had, you know, more recently just come together out of slavery and were intent upon having children. So they had... Uh, many large families. It was not unusual back then for a black family to have 9, 10, 11, 15 children, um, as many as God would give them, because they understood the Scripture to be fruitful and multiply. And that children are a blessing. Children, And it's so hard, I think, today, Catherine, because we're in such a post-Margaret Sanger world where contraception is so normal but back then before margaret sanger got you know did her dirty deeds across america to sell abortion both you know catholics and protestants were lock stock and barrel against contraception they understood what it was going to do to the culture but i really want to stay though focused on so she in what she did in the minority market so she would go around and basically sell her ideas, market her ideas. So you're saying she used the black minister to advance her worldview? Absolutely. The black minister and black physicians, because her co-conspirator, Clarence Gamble, uh, suggested that they should add doctors into the mix as well, um, because they knew that black people trusted their physician. Um, and trusted their minister. Mm-hmm. So they were intent upon finding black men and women of influence uh, um, to begin messaging this idea of evenly spacing your children <clears throat> is one of the phrases that they used early on, mm-hmm. um, um, so forth, so on. Right. Yeah, I think one of Margaret Sanger's quotes, what does it have to do with uh, uh, this? I'm paraphrasing, but one of the best things a large family can do to, to like the infant of the family is to kill it. This is the worldview of Margaret Sanger. You know, she, she hated large families and, oh, there's so much we can cover about Margaret Sanger. But again, I want to kind of come back to how is it affecting today? the minority market, because I have been in arguments before where people will say, oh, yeah, Terry, she was a racist back then, but, you know, Planned Parenthood has changed. That's how it was before. But that's not what you say, Catherine, right? 
Right. You know, one of the problems that we have today is helping people to see, quote-unquote, what is happening. Um, The discrimination that Planned Parenthood does is not like it was back in the day. Back in the day, African Americans were lynched, hanging from trees. You could see those bodies. You could see the bodies of the four little girls who were blown up in that church in Birmingham. You saw Emmett Till, who was pulled out of his uncle's house in the dark of night and tortured to death. You saw his bruised and battered and unrecognizable body in his casket because his mother wanted America to see Today, we can't see Planned Parenthood's discrimination because it happens behind closed doors in an environment where Planned Parenthood has controlled the messaging. So they took great care to paint this picture of a physician who really cares about women um, and helping women. For example, one of the ones they call on quite frequently is named Dr. Willie Parker. And he talks about how his Christian beliefs support him taking the lives of babies. He feels like once he heard Martin Luther King's um, sermon on the Good Samaritan. He feels like he's that Good Samaritan. And this is how they have crafted their messaging to uh, use prominent blacks to say it is okay to terminate the life of a child. So you have this whole picture of, of, you know, them allegedly doing good, and they're, they're using prominent African-American people from around the country to, to send that message. Um, but it's all crafted in their, their marketing campaigns that they only use to market to black women and now increasingly Latino women. Exactly. Oh, yeah, they're putting the Latinos on the board of directors and all that state representation. I think it's important for people to understand the worldview of Margaret Sanger. You know, she hated God. She hated Christianity. She most particularly hated the Catholic Church. She was a Darwinist. She believed in the theory of evolution. In fact, that subtitle, and this is something most people you know don't know, but I know when I go out and I give seminars on this topic, it's probably the same things happen to you. When I hold up that PowerPoint of the front cover of Darwin's book on the origin of species, and I point out that subtitle, which has now been taken off Darwin's book, but that subtitle says, or on the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. So the, so the Darwinists, you know, these God-hating Darwinists like Margaret Sanger, she didn't believe we're all made in the image of God. And so, so she considered you a minority if you're poor, feeble-minded, diseased, or you know, if you come from an alcoholic, or if your parents were criminals. Well, you know, if you're their offspring, you're not worth living. You need to be eliminated. In fact, you need to be eliminated before you even come into the world. And so 
So, you know, if we're talking about the early 1900s, kind of walk us through this, and then we're going to swing back into how is it affecting women today, culture today, black demographics today. So we're talking about the early 1900s. Wasn't there like this large immigration uh, like flow of people from the south up north, right? Because they're, they're coming off the plantations. Right. After slavery, um, there was a great migration. Um, from the South to the North. And, you know, contrary to the the imagery that is promoted quite frequently today, it was not um, broken families. In fact, much of that migration, many of those men went in search of their families, and they found them, and once oh. they found their families, they took them out of the South into the North where they felt they would have more freedom, more uh, opportunity to to thrive and to live um, um, openly pursuing life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. But people like Margaret Sanger felt like, you know, she lumped every single black person into the same pool. She was a, a racist. She was a white supremacist. She talked to people like the KKK to promote her agenda of destroying those that she considered dysgenic. So it didn't matter if you grew up in a well-to-do family or a poor family. If your skin color was, was black or brown, you were lumped into the, the pool uh, for her to pick and choose which of you should be allowed to live. When, oh, when um, I hear you describe this, it just—it makes me angry. And the reason why is because we either have so much apathy in our country or we have even more such ignorance. Because here we are, we're hardworking Americans, we pay in our tax money, and then the politicians turn right around, many of them, not all of them, but many of them vote to continue to fund Planned Parenthood. And it is the most racist organization in America's history. I mean, it's, I mean, it puts the KKK to shame, does it not? You know, I don't know if it you It absolutely the- does, but you have to recognize what Planned Parenthood did. They crafted a message, and in fact, back in 2003, 2004, their then-president, Gloria Felt, said they had to control the messaging. And as long as they could control the messaging, they would succeed in their plans um, and what they were doing around the country. So they painted a picture of Planned Parenthood, number one, as being black person friendly. They began to use um, um, language that they knew would draw black women and, the, and black men to use their services. If you look at their messaging and look at the messaging that Martin Luther King used with Andrew Young and John Lewis and the rest of them who were fighting for civil and God-given rights in this country, you will see that Planned Parenthood mirrors that language. They talk about black and brown women having access to health care. They talk about allowing black women to self-determine. They talk about 
justice, that black women deserve reproductive justice. All of this is language that those men and women, Fannie Lou Hamer and many back in the day, were using to say, leave us alone, leave black people alone, and just let us live our lives and pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in this country. So they didn't come with a frontal attack against the black community. Exactly. They came Mm -hmm. with a diabolical attack, and they don't give women all of the information to make a choice, especially black women. So once you go inside one of their centers, they are then selling you an abortion. They never talk about adoption. Mm -hmm. They don't talk about um, parenting that child, having that child prenatal care. They do none of that. Once they get you in there, it's all abortion. America, don't go anywhere. We have uh, so much more information to give you about Margaret Sanger's Negro Project and how it's affecting the black race in America today and beyond the black race. Stay tuned. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. All right, Catherine, in that last segment, we were sort of wrapping up on the language. So so Planned Parenthood used words like access and uh, allowing black women to you know, self-determine what happens with their bodies justice and i like the word your description it was diabolical what planned parenthood has done to trick to deceive uh black men and women right into their abortion mills um so it's no longer hanging black people from trees lynching they're now lynching their very progeny right there in the abortion mills and they call it women's health care help us understand how this is affecting black women today from health, uh, this whole cancer link. Walk us through some of that, Catherine. Well, one of the things, as I mentioned earlier, that they don't do is give you all of the information about how this decision is going to impact you. In fact, they've taken great care to make it appear that this surgery is benign, that it's no worse than having a tooth extracted or something of that nature. But the reality is that we have millions of women today who have been impacted psychologically. Um, There's studies now, study after study after study, that shows that there is a direct link between abortion 
and many of the the psychological problems that you see women manifesting today, like bipolar, um, you see that there is a direct link between abortion and premature birth. I don't know if you know who Gabrielle Union is, but she's a, a well-known black actress, woman of influence. She's married to Dwayne Wade, the basketball player. And since marrying Dwayne, she's been trying trying to have a baby for him. And she's had like eight or nine miscarriages. Mm-hmm. Um, she is the chief spokesperson for Planned Parenthood. Oh, and I really? am willing I to bet that she is a post-abortive woman who was never told about the link between abortion and premature birth. When the doctor pries open the cervix to perform an abortion, he's weakening the cervix. So it becomes, I mean, very physical. The cervix cannot, it weakens the cervix, so it lends itself to pre, uh, 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 premature delivery, uh, premature birth. So it's literally, we- and, and since uh, legalized abortion, this weakening of the cervix, in America, we've seen such a drastic rise in premature birth. In the black community, it's extreme premature birth, meaning that the babies, the mothers can no longer hold the babies for 27 weeks or more. Mm. So if the baby is born at 26 weeks or less, the chances of that child surviving are slim to none. Mm. Today, we have an extreme premature birth rate among black women. They don't tell you about the link between breast cancer and abortion. There have been more than 100 studies worldwide that show a very clear link between abortion and breast cancer. With black women, we get the kind of breast cancer that you don't even know you have Mm. until you're at stage three or four in most cases. Triple negative breast disease does not... Uh, test, when they're doing the test to see if you have cancer, they test for something called a receptor. Triple negative means that the three major receptors that they test for are absent in that cancer. So you don't even know you have it until you're so sick. There's little chance of you recovering. Um, The other one is inflammatory breast disease. Again, it presents like a rash. It doesn't present with your a lump in your breast like with uh, that you get a mammogram for. And so you have women who are now 12, 15 years after their abortion decision find themselves battling cancer and not understanding why. There's a direct link between that abortion decision and that cancer that they're fighting 12 to, to uh, 15 or more years later. You also have um, all kinds of perforations that are happening. I, we have no idea of how many women went into one of these abortion centers able to ha- have children but came out unable to have them because the doctor didn't exercise any standard of care He perforated her uterus. He pulled out her bowels. He did all kinds of 
other unconscionable things. He cut her cervix. Um, so now she's got to have a hysterectomy, and she's never able to have children um, again. The <laughs> list is growing, but most importantly, what they're not telling women is you could die. Exactly. Um, Cree Irwin was a young woman from Battle Creek, Michigan, who went to the Planned Parenthood in Kalamazoo, Michigan, for an abortion. They botched the abortion and left parts of the baby in her mm. She and sent her home. She went home in such pain. Um, she went to her mother's house because she was in such pain she couldn't do anything for herself. Her mother took one look at her and said, we need to go to the emergency room. Mm. And that's when mom found out she'd had an abortion and they had botched the abortion. But rather than completing the abortion, they sent Cree home, told her to go back to Planned Parenthood on that following Monday. Well, that following Monday was the 4th of July. Oh. Cree didn't make it that mm. long. Mm. She died in her mother's bed on the 4th of July. And there were many, many, many more stories like that from around the country we don't know them all because they're not required to report. Exactly. And that's what people um, don't understand. It's not being yeah. recorded. It's not being reported. Right. And so we have no idea of the numbers of women that are dying because if the woman goes home and dies, it doesn't get counted as a botched abortion. Right. But the other demonic thing that they are doing today is today they are now telling black women that it is safer for them to abort their baby than yes. to carry that child to term or give birth. And truly demonic, as if the God it's we demonic. love and serve would, would, <laughs> would, would put right. women in that kind of a situation. I mean, children are a right. blessing from the Lord. And I mean, but, but what strikes me though about Planned Parenthood is that their lies are so audacious. And, and this is why I'm so passionate about exposing the Negro Project, is if we would just come together as black and white women and every color in between, and we say, we're standing up for truth together all across this country. I, I'm just, I, I burn with the passion of this because it, it, to me, it's the epitome of injustice, it's the epitome of ignorance and apathy, and it's also the epitome of this, Catherine, and <clears throat> we won't get into the politics of it, but the abortion industry is big business. It's a billion dollar industry. And this whole birth control you know, industry is another billion dollar industry, multi-billion dollar industry. And so right now, we've got the National Cancer Association and the National Institute of Health. They know everything you just said. And even they are hiding the information because of all the ties, the political ties, the big business ties. And I'm just, I'm, I don't know, I'm using this platform to say black women of America, white women of America, Asian descent, Hispanic, we have got to come together to help our sisters understand the truth and stop protecting the entities that keep these things in power. So sorry about, no, I don't apologize for my passion. <laughs> All right, let's let's swing back to. Um, do you have any of the? Actually, before I go there, 
do you have, I, I just want to repeat, because you basically just gave an itemized list. I want to recap, I want to recap it. Number one, abort, there's a direct link between abortion and breast cancer, right? And then you went through about four or five other things. Can you repeat what those things are just as a recap for our listening audience? Yes. Abortion, there's a direct link between abortion and, and breast cancer, between abortion and premature birth, between abortion and psychological issues, between abortion and infertility because it renders so many women infertile, and abortion and death. Women are dying. You know, this is something that your listeners need to picture in their mind. Um, Where did all of the haters go? You know, back in the day, we could see George Wallace saying segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. We could see Bull Connors running people down and whipping them on the Pettus Bridge and um, um, we could see this with our natural eyes, but where did all those kind of people go mm-hmm. when after the Civil Rights Act of 64 and 65 and the Voting Rights Act of 65, they didn't just disappear? Where did they go? Mm-hmm. I submit to you that they recognized, and, and the, the history documents this, that they were going to use abortion. They set up the eugenicists, the white supremacists, were happy to take a backseat to Planned Parenthood's Negro Project plan because they recognized that when abortion got legalized, they were going to be able to use it to do what the KKK and the segregationists and the other eugenicists who were forcefully sterilizing women like Elaine Riddick um, who was who was uh, sterilized again without her knowledge right. after being raped at fourteen? Where did those people go? I submit to you, they took off their hoods, yep. you know, and they walked into a Planned Parenthood in the form of an abortion doctor. Right. And so this havoc that is being heaped upon women all across the country, women who have never been able to tell anyone of their abortion decision mm-hmm. um, um, and are suffering silently. You know, we don't know the number of suicides. I had a dear friend who revealed to me that his cousin literally committed suicide after her abortion experience by starving herself to death. Yeah, it's so, it's devastating. I, I have, I know probably four people whose, their relatives or their friends had abortions and they ended up committing suicide. And it's just, but it goes so unreported. The other thing that goes unreported, and I remember I shared this, Catherine, when I had a rather impromptu invitation to teach about Margaret Sanger's Negro Project at an inner city Washington, D.C. school. Um, I happened to go there for, for a, to listen to a guest speaker that day, but every Friday that they break up the school, um, and the boys get together, the girls get together in separate rooms, and they talk about rebuilding a culture of life. And I happened to be there, and they said, Hey, Terry, we just heard that you talk about this stuff periodically, and that can you come talk with the girls? And I said, Sure. And um, 
bottom line, they had a whiteboard in there, and I thought, well, let me just write this statistic up here, or this number, and I wrote, third, it's a fraction, I wrote 31,328 over 24,758, so a fraction, so if you round it, 31 over 24, and then I explained what it meant. And I said, that number on top, 31, stands for the 31,000 black babies in New York City that were aborted back in 2012. And I said, but do, do you all know what this lower number is, the 24,000 number? I said, that's the number of black babies who were born alive. And, and Catherine, if you could see the girls' faces, they were gasping. I said, do, do, I said, do you all understand what this means? And they're like, one girl raised her and she's like, yeah. She's like, if this continues, you know, the black race will disappear. More of us are dying than being born alive. I said, bingo. I said, this is why every single one of you must understand Margaret Sanger's Negro Project and the history of it and why it's still, you know, thriving today. Um, so it, do, I don't know if you have any of the data in front of you. Um, if you don't, that's fine. But do you have some of the latest numbers of how many uh, black Americans are dying fr through abortion versus uh, dying of all the other injuries and illnesses, diseases? Do you happen to have any of that data? Um, I do. I just don't have a handy. Oh, okay. No, that, <laughs> I will find it. But, yeah, more today we are uh, finding all across the country that Planned Parenthood's Negro Project is succeeding. And all across the country, more black babies are are being aborted, disproportionately high numbers compared to our presence in um, in the population. Like if you look at how many abortions are happening on um, black women versus um, other women, you could see that you can combine all of the other causes of death. For example, in 2014, there were 3,500 HIV deaths. There were 4,800 drug-induced deaths. There were 7,900 homicides. There were 14,000 um accidental deaths, 13,000 diabetes deaths, 69,000 cancer deaths, 73,000 heart disease deaths, for a total of 246,122 uh, blacks died in 2014 from one of those things. Mm -hmm. In that same year, 259,336 mm. black babies were aborted. Oh, it's just, it's sick. Oh, it's just... If you combine all of those causes of death, you still don't reach the number of abortions that are happening. And if you go state by state, for example, I live in Georgia, 60 plus percent of the abortions in Georgia are on black women. Mm. 82% of the abortions in uh, Mississippi are on black women. 60 plus percent of the abortions in Washington, D.C. are on black women. You go state by state, 40-something percent of the abortions in South Carolina are on black women. Mm. Yet, 
only 3% of us are of childbearing age at this point in time. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. The 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. You know, blacks make 14% of the population, but wait a minute, half of those are men, so now we're down to 7% of the population are black women, but hey, not all of those are of childbearing age, so now we're down to like, what was it, like 3%, right? Two, three, 4% are are of childbearing age. 3% of the population get anywhere from 30 to 40 percent of the abortions. How can that be? And it's called and Margaret it's, Sanger's Negro it's Project. the Negro Project. Oh, That's right. yes. And, and I just want to point and, it out and there again. And Parenthood presidents have accelerated. In fact, again, it's demonic. They try to paint themselves as provider of women's health care services. You know, for years they lied and said they did mammograms. Well, it was shown very clearly that they don't do mammograms, so they changed it. Well, we do cancer screening. Um, We do prenatal services. Well, Live Action, an organization out of D.C., called several Planned Parenthoods to schedule a prenatal visit and every single one said, oh, we don't do that here. We do abortions. So we do abortions. We do abortions. Mm-hmm. And so if the only choice that you have is an abortion, is that a choice? Because they certainly aren't telling you the truth about what's going to happen to you and what can happen to you. So I submit that Planned Parenthood engages in marketing and medical coercion every single day. Every time they don't tell a woman all of the risks that are inherent in that abortion decision, physically and psychologically, when they, when they tell her things like they're telling black women that her child is like a disease that needs to be cut out of her because if it's not cut out of her, she might die then that's genocide. Absolutely. And we need to prosecute Planned Parenthood for modern-day genocide because they're not targeting any other people group. You don't see the same level of of, um, spotlighting as they do with the black community. They have paid black legislators. They have paid... Uh, the American Association of Black Journalists, um, Congressional Black Caucus members, NAACP. If you look at their 990s, you will see a running list of who they have reached out to and given, quote, contributions, donations to, to sing their message of genocide. In fact, in 2010... 
Ryan Baumberger and I put up 80 billboards in Atlanta that said black children are an endangered species, too many aborted.com. In 2012, Cecile Richards, who was on the Ford Foundation's board, had the Ford Foundation to give a grant to hire Rusinello Bello, which is a large marketing firm, to craft a message that would redirect people's attention away from the genocide and towards abortion. And they did a training on Capitol Hill. They got the Congressional Black Caucus and the Pro-Choice Caucus to host a seminar on Capitol Hill where they told the women that were present, when people like me and Ryan say that it's genocide, ask them why do they want to make the health care disparities greater? Why don't they trust black women to make their own decisions. In fact, they started a whole new organization called Trust Black Women. I remember that, and I didn't realize that was a whole separate entity of Planned Parenthood. Ah, I didn't realize that. Okay. They funded, it came out of an organization here in Atlanta called Sister Song. Mm. They funded them to start that organization, Trust Black Women, and they began to follow Ryan around. I was hoping they would follow me. They never followed me, but they followed Ryan around, and they would have literally Caucasian women coming into Ryan's seminars and chanting, Trust Black Women! Trust Black Women! Mm. That came as a result of our billboards and them hiring this this organization to teach them how to get around the message of genocide because Ryan and I were were crying genocide right. way back then. Well, did yeah. you, I'm sure you did, but I'd like to hear some of the successful stories, if you have any to share, of people who did see the billboards, who did inquire, who had been in the dark and then came to the light. Did, did, do you have any stories of people's conversions to the pro-life side well, to stop not like conversions per se, mm-hmm. but I can tell you, um, Diane Sawyer did a, a feature story on Ryan and I. Oh, did you? And really? we were on. Okay. Yes. And uh, Steve Osunami came to Atlanta, and he picked a spot on uh, Memorial Drive which is where one of our larger billboards was. And so after he interviewed us, he began to stop people who were walking down the street and showed them the billboard and asked them what they had to say about it. He never found one person within our visual that we could see that said anything negative. Every single one of them said, oh, yeah, that's true. We agree with that. Mm. It took him the entire day outside of the Memorial Drive area, which was in the heart of the black community, to find someone to disagree with the billboard. 
Awesome. Okay. And it, it, I'd almost forgotten about this a number of years ago. I had put two billboards in the Richmond, Virginia market, and it said stuck because we were we were advertising an upcoming uh, workshop, you know, to teach more about the Negro Project. And my billboard said, stop, I think it just said, stop the Negro Project. And then it gave the date, time, place of the seminar. Of course, oh my gosh, when those billboards went up, the media was all over it. But the same kind of thing, people were like, well, I don't really know what it means. It doesn't sound good, but I want to know, you know, what it means. And anyway, we had a fantastic turnout. Um, but be that as it may, it's I, I'm, my hat's off to you because, I mean, 80, 80 billboards? Is that what y'all did? 80? We did 80 billboards, 80 yeah. And billboards. we were we were on the front page of the New York Times. We were in the L.A. Times. We did Diane Sawyer's program. We did a whole segment on CNN. Wow. Um, they got a gentleman from the National Action Network to, quote, debate me. Um, and John Roberts gave us a 12-minute segment, which was unheard of. Wow. And by the end of the 12-minute segment, the man that they had debating me agreed with me. Oh, Catherine. <laughs> so it just goes to you know, show so that it's like, but I mean, despite... You know, or in spite of all that exposure, it's like Planned Parenthood, you know, still rules the day, you know, but, but. Well, because if you had a half billion taxpayer dollars that you could use at your discretion and you hired master marketing firms, you know, just look at what happened after David Daleiden exposed that they were selling the baby parts. Uh, of the babies that they aborted, right? Right, yeah. They went from scandal to suddenly they put out this messaging, oh, those tapes were edited. Exactly. Right? They were highly edited. They didn't reflect the truth, even though you could sit and watch the entire tape after tape after (laughs) tape, like the doctor who said, I want a Lamborghini. Yep. That even shocked David. He was like, what? Mm -hmm. She wants a Lamborghini from selling the body body parts parts of the baby. But, you know, here's the question. How many in our Congress are a part of those haters who just went underground and they are ecstatic over the moon that, uh, Planned Parenthood is achieving the purpose because in order for the black community to even stay at 12% of the population, we would have to have every woman of childbearing age to have 2.1 children. Mm-hmm. Today, we are at 1.76. Ah, oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. I'm going to say it again. It is genocide. It is tax-funded genocide. It is ignorance-funded genocide. All right, Catherine, it's so easy to talk about the the history of Margaret Sanger, Planned Parenthood's Negro Project, how it's still currently affecting the black race and beyond. I mean, because we're talking about serious demographic shift, you know, because the most dangerous place to be for a black person today is in his or her mother's womb. 
because of the success Planned Parenthood has had in pushing abortion into the minority market. Um, but at the end of the day, it still comes down to action. As white women, as black women, and every color in between, what should we be doing? What needs to happen to, to be able to affect change, to be able to stop black genocide, to be able to stop, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the federal funding of Planned Parenthood. And I hope one day, just like slavery, Planned Parenthood will be no more. It, it, it will be dismembered, defunded, and destroyed until you Google Planned Parenthood and it will be a thing of the past. What needs to happen? If you could give women today three action items, what would they be? Well, one, I don't think we recognize how powerful our voices are and can be um, with the legislators there in D.C. So, one, I would encourage everyone to go to my website, enough-thebattleisreal.com, enough-thebattleisreal.com and sign the petition. We have put up a petition asking Congress to investigate Planned Parenthood's Negro Project beginning in 1939 until today. We're asking them to refer the matter to the Department of Justice for prosecution under the Proxmire Act, which is the, the United States law that makes genocide a crime. Um, and we're asking them to deem Planned Parenthood an organization that commits genocide and make them ineligible for any federal funding. So, in effect, defund Planned Parenthood. Right. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to get as many signatures on that petition. They can sign. They can get at least 10 of their friends exactly. to sign. Right, and, and, and you know, I'm picturing, oh, I'm sorry, I've just got to put it in there, that imagine if there was one, one woman at every church who would take this petition around, promote it, stand in front of her church, get it up on the big PowerPoint if they've got that in their uh, different uh, parishes, and promote your website. Go to enough-thebattleisreal.com. We need a woman at every single church who will get behind this petition and promote it. All right, number two. Um, they can um, reach out and contact their legislator directly, asking them to end the genocide, asking them to do what the petition says. But every time one person contacts their legislator, it has the impact as if a thousand or more had contacted that legislator. So once they sign the petition, they should also reach out to their, uh, to their legislator and ask them to uh, end Planned Parenthood's targeting right. um, of the black community um, and, and just start talking about it. We have to get educated. We have to begin to alert women that, the reality is abortion is doing more harm to them and their bodies and their families uh, than it is helping. You know, they, they make a big deal about poverty and, and women make choosing abortion, you know, so that they won't be in poverty. Well, if that was the case, every black woman in America 
should be at the top of the economic scale if it truly did something to help eradicate poverty. It's a part of the the spin. So let's get educated. Let's read. They can start with my books if they'd like, The Fight for Life, Turning uh, the Wounded into Warriors, and The Fight for Life, Taking it to the Street. They could go to your book, you know, because, again, the deception is huge. And, and Bernard Nathanson, the founder of NARAL, you know, told you, in an interview. Yes, and uh, I'd like for every black that he woman... lied. Right. Every black woman across America, and for that matter, every woman across America, needs to know that Dr. Bernard Nathanson admitted to fast-tracking Margaret Sanger's Negro Project. And I want every American to know it. I don't care what color you are. But, but it's true. It's real. I met the man. I shook the man's hand. But um, if they start with one of your books, I mean, because they can only start with one, which one do you recommend, Catherine? I would say The Fight for Life, Taking It to the Streets. Okay. Because okay. that gives a very clear history and information um, that, that they can use as talking points um, um, as well. I would encourage them when they go to the enough dash the battle is com website click on those links because there are links in there where you can see for yourself the the uh diabolical hand that planned parenthood is dealing to america with their with their um surgical centers um and the locations of where they are they can go to protectingblacklife.org. It's another excellent resource, another tool to be able to see visually what we are saying, how Planned Parenthood has targeted the black and Latino communities. Okay, that's called um, protecting, protectingblacklives.org, right? .org, Okay, yeah. so the action items, American women, all Americans, it's go to Enough the Battle well, oh, sorry, go to enoughthebattleisreal.com, contact your legislator, ask him to, uh, to help end genocide, make sure he signed on or she signed on to that petition. Um, read, read one of Catherine's books, uh, Taking It to the Streets. Go to protectingblacklives.org and also go to Catherine's main website called The Restoration Project. I'm telling you right now, America, life leads. If we want to see America be made great again, it's going to be blacks and whites standing together to say all lives matter. And together as blacks and whites, together we end black genocide. And watch how this will bless America. I've lived it. I've experienced it. It takes race off the table. And as blacks and whites, we stand together because we see each other. We all, you know, hey, let's face it. When we cut ourselves, we all, our blood runs red. We, we are of the human race. Catherine, thank you for being on today. I, I, I probably want to have you back on if you're willing to. Um, I am I'm a 100% advocate of what you're doing. You're a great spokesperson. You're, you're, you're so well-read and intelligent about all of this stuff. And you are, as far as I'm concerned, leading the way um, to awaken Americans to the truth about black genocide. So thank you for being on today. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate you, Chair. All right. All right. We're going to keep up the fight.